you never get tired of that. I think it was Celtic's a winning club. My idea was to come in here and, and win the best way that I possibly could for the team and the supporters. So um, so up until now, we've had a great season and, um, and hopefully that continues that way for a number of years. What were your expectations coming in? Well, it was to... When I spoke to the players on the first day, the, the, the vision that I rolled out to them was simple. The first part was to... To win, is to win the most amount of titles that we possibly could. The second was to play an attack and aggressive style of football, but with always tactical discipline. And the third part of that vision was to have as many of the young players from the academy base as possible. So those three things outlined over the course of my time here is what I would look at. listening to the Grand Old Podcast, episode number 24. I am your host, Hamish Carton. As usual, on today's show, lots and lots to get through. We'll be talking Aberdeen after the 3-1 victory way back on Friday at Pitodri. We'll then move on to the, the touching subject of whether winning is getting boring. <laughs> As a Celtic fan, we'll be discussing all of that along with letter H, of the grand old alphabet and the latest news concerning Celtic that features Bobby Madden and no fewer than five potential summer signing targets. John McGinley, you love a transfer rumour, as we know, etc., etc. How are you doing? I'm, I'm not bad, yeah. I just think in that intro is probably putting people off. You've got Bobby, Bobby Madden, you've got uh, talking about <laughs> Celtic being boring. Um, I'm sure we can bring some joy to people over the next hour or so. Yep, should be good. Paul Fisher, you are also here. The good thing about doing a podcast slightly later on in the week as it oh, is for coming, um, yeah. various reasons this week is that Paul <laughs> Fisher probably I'm hoping doesn't have a hangover is that the case Paul? That's uh, I don't drink during the week so I make up for the weekend <laughs> so um, all fresh and ready to, to go and talk uh, and explain why Celtic aren't boring Fantastic well we'll talk about the game on Friday the first 12 minutes or so <laughs> or probably whatever the opposite of bo- what is the opposite of boring? Exciting? Exciting yeah yeah yeah, well, they were very exciting, weren't they, John? They were, yeah. Um, the game was a weird one, wasn't it? Because the effectively over twelve minutes in, and then I thought we're pretty much outplayed for from that point on. Um, and it was just good for me to see us like st- play pretty pretty poorly for eighty minutes and still beat our closest challengers by a couple of clear goals. Um, it doesn't really get better than that, especially a couple of weeks before the the Scottish Cup final. And yeah, well, that first twelve minutes was. But one of the best of the season again. It was mm. a, a smile came across my face when you realise that every week seems to get better and better, rather than the opposite way around. There's no sign of Celtic slowing down in any way. Um, we're at the end of a really long season. Um, you know, Celtic seasons are longer than most because we start playing in July with the qualifiers. You'd expect yeah. us to maybe show signs of fatigue or show a little bit of, of that we're, we're a little bit jaded. I mean, we've seen that in the past, but if anything. 
we're, we're as good now as we have been all season and it's quite it's quite incredible yeah it's absolutely incredible I, I got the feeling going into the game that it was going to be a real tough game we've seen these games in the past after the split when the league is won mm-hmm. and going away to a team Aberdeen love to beat us at Pataj we know what Derek McInnes thinks of Celtic and we know how he loves to set up his team to make it difficult for us it was an incredible match I thought for the first 12 minutes I've never seen anything like that I mean everything we touched turned to gold and that, that was with Patrick Roberts missing a really really good chance early on as well they scored a cracking goal they could have had they should have had a goal Stockley should head that into there you could have had seven goals in the first 12 yeah. minutes it was outstanding um, the rest of the game I think failed to live up quite mm. to that but it was still a real good game Aberdeen I thought were the better team for the majority of it that got me pondering the question Paul and mm-hmm. it's coming your way was um, was that game on Friday where would both teams or were both teams pleased with the way it went? Um, I, I, I don't think Aberdeen can be pleased, pleased with the way it went in terms of the, the last or the, the first, 50, first 15 minutes they can't be pleased in conceding mm. three goals so easily and um, without kind of really doing much it's after that, you maybe say either they'd be happy the fact that they they scored and then they didn't concede again and they put pressure on Celtic, but they didn't do anything from from what I seen. I didn't see the game live. From what I seen, in terms of they were the better team, they didn't scare me in any way. Into going into the the cup final, it didn't feel like a, that mm. they're a, a really good side. That if it's a an nervy nil nil after sixty minutes, that they could go and score maybe a couple of goals. They don't tend mm. not to score or so this Celtic team tend not to concede any more than, than one goal in a match I'm struggling to, to think any time where we've been kind of we've been I like, think St Johnson have done it twice yeah. and that's the only team I can really think of but then in the games we're winning comfortably anyway so mm-hmm. it's it, it, try to balance up the Aberdeen we've played them five times now in this season and I don't think they've really come close to, to beating us um, at all even though there was there was a couple of one 0 games, it's it's still I don't think they've, yeah. they've they've touched us. I think it was, yeah, I I would I would agree that they were would have been pleased with their performance. I think especially in like the fifteen minutes before half time and the fifteen minutes after, I felt like they were well on top of the match and that they could could have scored one or two goals. And I think I said on Friday night, but I wouldn't actually like the game to go obviously in terms of goals I would but in terms of performance if Aberdeen turn up like that and we have a similar performance I mean that would be a worry if we if we didn't manage to get our goals when, when we did and I would be worried if Aberdeen played like that in the final I think it was potentially the best they've played against us all season um, and they still got beat 3-1 as I keep um, mentioning which is obviously good but I was a little bit nervous about the final now after that game for some reason um, I'm not sure if it's just me being a little bit nervous about the treble or, or whatever, but um, I think Aberdeen showed enough that if they t- they can turn up at Hamden and give us a good game. Yeah, I echo your thoughts. I think perhaps we have been slightly too harsh to scathing on on Aberdeen in recent weeks. Um, I think some of the comments that <laughs> we've all made in the past, I, I was actually I was pretty impressed with them in the second half. Um, I'll counter that by saying I don't think we were near our best. No, I think. We no. Again, you need to say we won the game three one, and you need yeah. to kind of couch everything by saying that. But I think we missed Scott Brown big time, yeah, did, yeah. as everyone knew we would miss Scott Brown. He will be back, of course, barring any training ground injuries or anything like that for for the Scottish Cup final. I don't think we'll play as poor as that. And again, we won three one at Pataudry to the second best team in the country. But I don't think we'll play as poor as that in the final. Um, I think they could well they could well play as well as they did on Friday yeah. but I think as at our best um, we've got nothing to worry about um, so it's, it's a strange one I was actually more impressed with Aberdeen I think they went to a level that I've not seen from them, from them before on Friday and yet again I need to say they lost the game 3-1 but um, the cup final I think when, when we take it to our next level and you see the final game of the season one final push to go and win the treble um, I, I think will be absolutely fine I mean having Scott Brown back will be absolutely yeah. massive I for mean, that it will be massive and I, I mean I was impressed in, in, in the sense that they never collapsed after conceding the third goal I mean I at that point I was thinking like this could be five or six tonight um, mm. and the, I mean the Johnny Hay go, Hayes goal was the goal tonight I mean it was a phenomenal dig um, and I think he, he'll be a, a factor in the hand and final I think it'd be silly to, to count him out and of, of doing something special in, in that match um, so we just need to I think it's a good little a, a nice little wake up call obviously a good result a nice little wake up call 
I, d- I don't actually I'm not sure it impacts too much on the final in terms of the psychology of it or anything I think yep. it'll be a completely different game won't it it'll be Scott Brown will be back you know we'll, we'll potentially have Patrick Roberts playing um, we'll be up for it and motivated and I think we'll be too strong for Aberdeen I think I actually think the final will go quite a similar way to the League Cup final that's that's my hopes anyway I think we'll take the game to them I think they'll they'll look tidy in possession but I think we, we'll get the opening goal and, and once we get that yeah, that'll be the game over Yeah you touched on the psychology there perhaps um, linking or not linking more to the point uh, the game on Friday to the, the Scottish Cup final mm-hmm. uh, at the end of this month Brendan Rodgers made some interesting comments I thought he was quite critical of the approach um, of Aberdeen the long balls that he said I think a few things like they, they don't look to play football basically they look to get the ball long um, and I was I think one of the pundits made the point um, I'm trying to think who it was it was maybe John Rankin now was saying that um, Brendan Rodgers is a I mean, we all know how clever Brendan Rodgers mm-hmm. is that it just gets it into the Aberdeen players minds in the cup final that maybe they <laughs> should be forced to pass the ball a little bit more and it played right into our hands I mean stuff like that from Brendan Rodgers mm. Paul is, is what we know um, he, he does it was the first time that he's really been critical of the opponents I think um, certainly in domestic football do you think there was anything telling about those comments? I think it's quite interesting the fact that it would be um, considering the, the fact that the game is largely meaningless um, it maybe points to more I don't know if it, uh, it would be unfair saying more deep rooted than than would first come across. Then if it, maybe mm-hmm. say right, well we've played Aberdeen a number of times this season and, and we could be critical of them because we, we can be. Um, we've, we've shown more dominance and whether that's whether that's the case, he's just winding them up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he could well be just like, just playing main games, but I don't I don't think that's really something that he does. So uh, I think it's, it probably is quite telling that he, he, he's had the comments. Mm. Yeah, we got a question in from Chris Henderson regarding Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths, of course, can't stop scoring um, brilliant goals at the moment. He was saying um, he wonders if you could touch on um, basically the contribution of Lee Griffiths um, this season or more recently, more to the point, but also whether next season um, he should be accommodated. Yeah, well, I, I think he should. I mean, I think he's. I think his point is. Regardless of what happens with with Dembele, does does Lee Griffiths have a, a place in the team? Um, and I I can see that. I mean, obviously, it depends who comes in, etc. In the summer, but we know Patrick Roberts is most likely on his way back to Man City. He's hardly. I mean, he's out half the season. He's been out since December. He's only come back into the team recently for the for the for the game at Ibrox, and he's still contributed loads of goals this season. He scored sixteen goals. He's assisted nine times. Um, which is actually more than Scott Sinclair's assisted uh, in his time to Celtic, um, which is quite incredible, really. I know Scott, Scott, Scott Sinclair's scored a barrel of goals on his own, and he, he doesn't need to set up his teammates because he can bury them in from about 20 yards. But, I mean, th- that's quite a, an important contribution, I think. I think if you had Lee Griffiths on the right-hand side or, or with Dembele, I think that he would be a danger. I think he, if he isn't given the responsibility to be scoring goals, if he's told to work with his teammates and if he's told to contribute I think he's got the ability to find the final ball um, for the likes of Dembele to stick in the back of the net and it might be another difficult season for Lee Griffiths next year I think Dembele will be sticking around I think he'll be the main man again and I think Griffiths will have to bide his time and take his chances like he has done this season but you can't you can't deny his contribution this season again he scored 40 mm-hmm. goals last season he's scored 16 goals this season with it barely being in the team I mean mm-hmm. you've got to give him You've got to give him credit. You've got to try and find a place for him at Celtic, in my opinion. I think people forget is that Lee Griffiths started this season on absolute fire. And there's a, there's a school of thought um, that without him, we wouldn't have made it to the Champions League group stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dembele comes in in the group stage and gets all of the credit and the goals against Rangers, etc. But Lee Griffiths probably beats Astana pretty much on his own with some of the goals he scored. Certainly the one away in Kazakhstan. He helped against um, the Red Imps and then obviously scored those those two really good goals against Beersheba. So I think he's had a massive say in our season, mm. especially early on. And ironically enough, he could have the biggest say in our season 
late on. Um, one thing that's clear, Paul, is that he's not number one choice when Dembele's fit up front. So do you think, we've heard John's opinion, do you think that Brendan Rodgers' opinion will be that Griffiths has to get into this team at some point next season or will he be seen like he has this season as a... Back in the second um, string striker, I, I think the the Roberts point is key. So if Roberts goes back to City, then you're you're got to fight there. If Dembele's back fit, say for example, I know there was there was talk today that he's in Dembele's in light training. So say Roberts, yeah, Rogers takes the the risk and wants to play Dembele in the final, then Griffiths is, is going to be on the bench. But if it's the first game of next season and Dembele's fit, then it could be a straight up choice between Griffiths and Forrest on the right hand side, and. Mm. I think you need to try to see to see how it works because Griffiths, I know he's a, a born goal scorer, but he, he also runs for miles and he, he fights for every ball. And I think he's probably quite he would quite like relish the chance of getting a start playing alongside um, the midfield and, and feeding it into Dembele as well as kind of cutting inside and, and taking chances. We know he can score from anywhere, so I think to give him a chance in midfield or maybe just behind Dembele would be would be really good because. I think he he knows he can play with them because we have seen them together a couple of times, and Griffiths will show if if he have given the chance that he he can score the goals and then maybe put it in Rogers' head that that he might be the first choice in terms of striker in the Scottish League games, because I know the Champions League is is the be all and end all and we want to be there in the the, the group stage in the last sixteen and all that kind of stuff, but Griffiths can do it every day, every week in, week out, he can score the goals. We've seen it this season, we've seen it last season, we've seen it the season before that and he scored twenty. So um, consistently for three seasons he's been scoring goals. So there has to be a place for him in this team. So in one word, Paul, next season as he a starter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully. John? I think hopefully is a good word. Yeah. Yeah, I'll echo that as well. Um right, we're gonna move on to the kind of theme of uh, today's show and the question I've got in front of me is it not boring <laughs> I kind of joked in the, the intro about how I mean, winning everything this season it's been a pretty boring season and um, I think every Celtic fan probably agree with that at the moment this was um, suggested by fan of the show and listener Nicola she said um, she lives in England and she was saying that she gets quite often people in work say to her oh Celtic won again that must be boring how can you even enjoy Scottish football why is Scottish football um, so boring, etc., etc., when Celtic are always winning? So she feels that she, she can't put into words why um, we're miles ahead and she's still enjoying every single game. This season's been enjoyable, probably as any previous season has been. So I just wanted to touch on this for the next 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, there's been a lot of stuff, and it's quite a common thing, I'm sure we'll all have heard it, um, that supporting Celtic is uh, easy and it's glory hunting is always a phrase used but in reality John it's nothing like that well that's it's, it's one of those things yeah as you say it's a cliche isn't it um, you support Celtic you're a glory hunter etc and all that and the, the whole boring thing has been a, a subject that's actually come up a lot this season more than other seasons I feel like and I think it's partly because Brendan Rodgers has a um like he's he's well known down south, um, so I think a lot of people have been keeping a, a closer eye on Celtic this season than they maybe would have. I think um, it's also the case that some media and betting companies have realised that there's an audience for Celtic there, and so um, you know outlets and, and and places like you know that you know the the betting companies like Ladbrokes etc have been doing tweets and stuff. Yeah, the, t- the twenty-seven W's yeah, in like, a row, yeah, form. But it's these nationwide kind of UK companies have realised that there's value in talking about Celtic online because the online fan base of Celtic is booming right now. And I think that's brought up a lot of stuff where people, you know, obviously comment under these tweets or these articles going, it's boring, etc. And I'd imagine if you lived in England, it would do your head in after a while. Um, mm. And it's funny for me because it gets, gets to the root, really, of why you support Celtic. I think, for me, I've never supported Celtic because we win all the time. Um, and I've never supported Celtic because because we're we, we're expected to win the title. I mean, when I I know this is this is a cliche too, but the, the whole nineties thing as well. When I was growing up in the nineties, Celtic didn't win it a lot. The, my first match, well, the first match I remember, we got beat in the League Cup final to Rafe Rovers, and I think. <laughs> the heart of this is that people don't support Celtic because they win, or the, the majority of people don't. We can, you can't really help who you support. I didn't choose supporting Celtic, and um, I'm sure you guys never either. And I just, you know, it's not boring because 
for, for me, supporting Celtic isn't about winning. It's about following the team week on week. It's about seeing small changes in the team. It's about building for the future. It's about seeing Brendan Rodgers come in and, and reinvigorate the place. It's about seeing young players like Keane Tierney coming through. It's like seeing mm. the ne- maybe the next big thing in football, Moussa Dembele coming through Celtic. It's all those things and more, but it's never about you know the, the result at the end of the day. If we'd lost the game against Aberdeen on Friday, I would have been gutted. And I would have... Um, been frustrated and annoyed but I would never you know go oh I mean that's made the season more exciting do you know what I mean it's, it's just it doesn't work like that for me it's all in context Celtic's um, aspirations and their goals are a higher bar than the rest of these teams so when we fail um, you fail more often I sometimes think with Celtic I mean I understand the fact that it's easy to say from other fans looking at Celtic or oh, you're winning every week is it not boring um, is it not really easy supporting Celtic but for me as you say John it's never been why I have supported Celtic I support Celtic for so many other reasons than the fact we win quite a lot I've had lows supporting Celtic that I can't even begin to imagine any other team giving me those lows it's, it's something that is an incredible bond I think between the supporters and Celtic and with regards to this season how can you get bored of watching this team how can you get bored of winning I mean you ask any manager you ask Brendan Rodgers you ask Guardiola Mourinho they'll tell you um, that in football you never get bored of winning and I think that that has dripped over onto the fans this year I mean you can't get bored of watching this team you can't get bored of seeing us beating Aberdeen, Rangers and Hearts for fun this season, I just don't get that at all I see why it is often labelled down south because the Scottish League is seen as a tin pot league to be honest, I don't care at all I don't care about what English people think (laughs) about Celtic and what English people think about Scottish football, Um, I love Celtic obviously more than any other club and the highs are great, the lows are low it just so happens that this season there's been so many highs and it has been we'll touch on it full at the end of the season but touch wood it, it could well be well, so far anyway it's my favourite ever year supporting Celtic what do you think Paul? Well I think there's there's, there's a number of factors you look at so the, the one you touched on there was enjoying like winning games and I, th- I think for me when, when Celtic win a game that there's very few things that come close to that when when the whistle blows at the start of a game we're expecting to win and when we don't we're, we're really disappointed but when we do win yep. we, don't, we don't just ex- we don't just roll over and go oh, there's another win we look at what happened during the game and mm-hmm. we we look at the team and how they performed and individually who stood out and where the goals came from and where we can improve we didn't just go right that's another win that's another three points like, like who, who we got next we, 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 look, we look at it in detail and then we look at the fact that other teams around about us they they're scared of 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 Celtic and and for me that's a really good thing as a football fan to have a team that they don't want to play against you the fear factor there and obviously they've got more to gain because a win against Celtic is a scalp for a lot of these teams and it doesn't happen very often you see with Partick Thistle for example play them on Thursday they haven't beaten us um, since I was three so for them to beat Celtic would be would be huge but for us it's important that we we get over these hurdles and we win these games it doesn't get boring because. We love the, the the fact that that Celtic are here. That I couldn't imagine life without Celtic. And growing up in the, I know we're going to touch on it, but growing up in the nineteen nineties, I, I remember some of the games and when I was five and six years old. And the fact that we only ever won one trophy in the first kind of eight years of my life, the, the the glory hunter thing goes out the window. If that was the case, I could quite easily um, have been a Rangers fan if the situation had been because Rangers were winning everything and every all my friends were Rangers fans at school and everybody I was getting slagged all the time because Celtic weren't very good and, and Rangers were winning league title after league title but the tables turn and football changes and we enjoy it because we're Celtic fans because we know what it means but it's not just about winning every week winning is obviously important and it, it means a lot and it, and it feels good but it's a bit about enjoying the, the whole atmosphere enjoying the build up to games enjoying the the team news getting announced an hour before kickoff. and if you don't understand that then I, I don't know if you're, you're a football fan rather than a football fan of a club yeah. like you get these you get these fans from England who who deride the, the league and they say oh, it's, it's, it's rubbish my grand could do this and that or this rubbish 
if if you these are the kind of folk who support teams like I don't know Ipswich Town and they'll they'll, they'll cheer on Arsenal when they're in the FA Cup when Ipswich get put out. I, I I'm not into that stuff. I can't be bothered with that. You have one team. You don't have two teams. You don't have a big team and a wee team. You you enjoy your football and you focus your your time on a club. Other fans of of smaller teams will say the same thing if they're passionate and they they enjoy what what their team gives to them. Obviously the highs being a Celtic fan seem to be and have been this season have been and much more and I'm enjoying every minute. Yeah, David Curry brings up the point of the nineties. He's saying after the years of pain through the nineteen nineties, we'll never grow tired of watching Celtic win. Do you think the the nineties have a, a real kind of or are they a factor in this feeling that we've got at the moment? I John? think for a, people obviously of a certain generation that's a massive factor for the current situation. I think the parallels that you can draw between the last few years and the early to mid nineties when Celtic were garbage and Rangers were on their way to nine in a row. I think if you live through that at an age where you understood what all that meant and I, I didn't. I was very young at that time. Um and didn't really, you know, it wasn't really until the turn of the century where you start to become, you start to understand the context of everything as a as a Celtic fan rather than just the, the love of football or the love of going to see Celtic, you know, having your boyhood heroes, etc. But I think for people who were conscious during that time of, of what nine in a row meant and the dominance that Rangers were putting over Celtic, that was a massive thing for people. And Celtic nearly went out of business and... A lot of people of a certain age didn't think they'd ever see Celtic win six in a row, didn't think they'd ever see them win seven in a row, eight in a row, nine in a row, or even the ten in a row. Didn't think Celtic would ever make a, a European final again, which we did. Didn't think Celtic would ever be able to compete in the in the European Cup again, which we, we kind of have over the last decade. And I think a lot of people use the 90s sometimes, I think, um, I think they use it when Celtic aren't doing well and they go, oh, well, if you'd lived through the 90s, you know, you wouldn't be moaning right now. I think when yeah. people say that, that kind of annoys me a little bit because I don't think that's relevant at all. But I think the parallel between Rangers winning nine in a row and what Celtic are currently doing, I think that's huge for people who live through that. And I think fair play to them for reveling in that right now and celebrating that. And, I mean, if that's boring for people, then I don't know what to tell you, the, you know, it's not boring for any Celtic fan I know Yeah Paul had a go at Ipswich Town Poor old <laughs> Ipswich Town just there Matt Lawless has uh, tweeted us in And he's picking on West Brom <laughs> and Stoke Now he says that fans of West Brom and Stoke Claiming support in Celtic is boring Is laughable Sky Money has removed all the soul From English football according to Matt Stuart Dean saying For me a European away day is always the highlight The kind of days every football fan dreams of and we get them every season. Love it. Chris Henderson um, saying something we'll all agree with this season in particular. Every weekend it set us up for the week in a good mood. Um, and finally, Brian Hamill perhaps given a, a real reason for the feeling because you have to savour every O'Neill, Rogers, Janssen or Strachan knowing that the next time round it could be a Barnes, Mowbray, Dyla or McCarry. Um that's an interesting viewpoint as well. I'm going to throw you guys right on Not the spot good. now um, and ask you when we're talking about great moments supporting mm-hmm. Celtic. Um, what is your best moment supporting Celtic, Paul? Um, I think it will always be the 6-2 game against Rangers last and scoring that chip. And the the kind of real love affair for me started um, then because just getting to the age where I remember remembering games and recognising players and knowing what was what was happening with league titles and, and winning games and getting to, to finals and stuff like that so that that's where it really started for me so uh, the demolition derby Yeah, mine's is when Jan Venegar of Hesslink scored the last minute winner against Rangers um, in 2007-2008 I think the joy I felt in that moment is unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life regardless of what interest or hobby or you know whatever I think just pure elation and I think it just washed over me that I, I finally felt we were actually going to make this crazy comeback and win the league that season uh, that is probably the, the purest moment of joy I've ever had supporting, supporting Celtic I think also up there is Nakamura's free kick against Manchester United um, mm. that was just wow it was just something you'll never forget um, you can still you, you can still vividly remember the way the ball curls uh, into the top corner 
Um, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, those those are the two greatest moments for me. Yeah, I've got Barcelona 2-1 um, as my moment. Just a, an absolutely incredible night. Mm-hmm. And I can agree with Stuart in terms of when he says a European away day, but European football in general supporting Celtic is the real highlight for me and, and going up against the best teams in Europe and getting to experience the best players in Europe because let's be honest we don't get them in Scotland at all that is something that I think you can't take for granted eh, as a supporter of Celtic is the fact that basically every year we're certainly in qualifying for Europe and we have a chance to play in European competition fans of, of teams like Stoke and West Brom for example um, would, would mm. absolutely love the opportunity to play in Europe every yeah. season um, so finally I wanted to touch on this season we've kind of done it a little bit but why do you think this season on its own John has been so enjoyable because there has been no challenge and I know you've said you don't support Celtic for any other teams yeah. or no matter if they win lose or draw as, as the song goes but <laughs> why has this season been particularly special so far to you? I feel like Celtic are finally realising the potential that's in the club I feel like that we could coast along every year and win the season by 10 to 15 points and and you know kind of have ups and downs across the season like a, a normal football season but this is not a normal football mm. season this season has been potentially the greatest that I'll ever, I've ever seen or potentially ever will see I think Brendan Rodgers has come into the club and reawoken Celtic for a lot of people and I, I'm not judging people who have been away from the club for a couple of years or going off and doing other stuff and the like but I, I don't think you can deny that people have come back to Celtic in their droves this season I think obviously people support Celtic for, for whatever reason and follow them in whatever way they can but people are starting to invest their money back into the club they're buying more tickets they're coming along to, to buy season tickets there's people on a waiting list for season tickets for goodness sake Brendan Rodgers is uniting Celtic again and the, the kind of Celtic are, have always been have been at the pinnacle of Scottish football for ages now, but we've got potential beyond that for me. And I think Brendan Rodgers is here to try and deliver that potential. And I think fans realise that. And I think that's what's so exciting for me is not for what, even what we've done this season, as exciting as it have been, but what is to come in the future. Um, and it's incredibly exciting. It's incredibly exciting. Do you get that feeling as well, Paul, that there is more to come and we may well be having debates about being boring again next season? I, I think that there could well be. Um, podcast and give it to podcast number 48 and it's the same debate again. Celtic keep winning and it's <laughs> how, how, how can you enjoy it? But I think for me it started when Brendan Rodgers got unveiled and I know I, I couldn't make up on the day to, to go into the stadium and see it, but the amount of people who turned out on that day started something um, quite incredible and it's it's been the same ever since the the sellout stadium the atmosphere at the European games the even the, the launch of the strip the amount of people who went along to that it's things that you would never think of that people are investing in and they're actually giving up their time their money and they're putting their all into the club because is of what it means and it's a special time just now to be a Celtic fan there's still a couple of games left in the season and then we can reflect on what the season was as a whole but there's been so many special moments that I don't know if we'll ever see something as quality as this um, I think the only thing that can top it would be um, another European final and even at that um, this season has been has been that good it's going to, going to take some beating Things are incredible um, at Celtic at the moment it's brilliant to be a Celtic fan nothing can stop us now or can it Bobby Madden John McGinley <laughs> team a link there oh that was a good link uh, I don't like Bobby Madden I think he's a rubbish referee I think that his um, rumoured affiliations to a certain football club um, are strong did you know he had a season ticket at Ibrox well that's is that is that the story because that's what lots of people tell me um, every single day but yeah, apparently he's an Ibrox season, or was an Ibrox season ticket holder, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Even in England, teams who support other teams don't referee matches that are rivals of the other team, for example. I, I don't like Bobby Madden. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I'm not, we've spoken about this at length before. I'm not a believer in big conspiracies and backroom deals in the SFA, but it is what it is. But the, so, the, so the full referee team for the Cup final is Bobby Madden's referee, uh, Frank Connor and Graham Stewart are your linesmen. Uh, John McKendrick's your fourth official. The additional assistant referees behind the goals is Stephen McLean and <gasps> Mick Walsh. 
um, which is putting Stephen McLean behind the goal when we're going for another treble <laughs> when he was the referee whose additional assistant referee missed the handball before I'm not sure if that's SFA totally just trolling us or what but um, that raised my eyebrow too but if we're good enough on the day it shouldn't matter that's what people say Yes, now for those five names that I teased listeners with early doors John, take it away with Dominic yes. Solanke um, There's been loads this week I think people are ramping up to the transfer window opening and papers are in overdrive getting, trying to get Celtic fans to click on their websites So, one name the first name that came up this week was Dominic Solanke of Chelsea He's a big, strong, powerful striker who would go down a sheet, I think, at Celtic um, I would be very happy if they signed him um, I think Brendan Rodgers would too going by his comments he was asked about him during the week and he was going on about how he brought him into Chelsea when he was 8 years old and and loved working with him so I'm not sure if there's something in that or not I, I could see a sign of him I think his contract's running out I think we'd be able to get him for a compensation fee similar to Mr Dembele and whether Dembele stays or goes I think he'll stay even if he stays I think we do need another striker and I think someone like him would go down a treat with the Celtic fans um, another one from Chelsea was Charlie Masonda um, and this would be a loan deal he's 20 years old he's uh, more of an attacking midfielder playmaker in, in the mould of say Patrick Roberts um, perhaps less and less uh, sorry less of an out and out winger than, than Patrick mm-hmm. Roberts is he, I think he's highly rated at Chelsea he was on loan at Real Betis in, in La Liga for the last 12 months came back in January and w- was going to be sent back out on, ro- on loan to I think clubs like Roma were interested in him but Antonio Conte decided that he should stay at Chelsea and he didn't make a first team appearance, but I mean, I think he's in the, on the fringes of the Chelsea squad, and we know how good that is this season. So that's that's an achievement in itself. So bringing him on loan for the season could be could be good for us in, this, in a similar sense to, to Patrick Roberts. The list goes on. There was a, another winger called Serdan Plavsic, who's a Serbian winger who has caps for Serbia. And I think you remember a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned a keeper who played for Red Star Belgrade. Yes. Well, this, ask me his the, name. No, this uh, this guy also plays for Red Star Belgrade and apparently David Moss, this was another one of the players who impressed him when he was out there. And he's a, he's like five foot five, he's like a, a small winger, but he's supposedly pretty good. He's, as I say, he's already got caps for, for Serbia at a young age. And Red Star Belgrade are going for the title, I think. So I think he's done quite well. I think he gets a regular game for them. So perhaps another name. And then a name that people know is Lucas of Liverpool, Lucas Leva. Um, mm. the defensive midfielder slash central defender obviously Brendan Rodgers knows him well I think Brendan Rodgers was the person who gave him his current contract to Liverpool uh, I think he would be allowed to leave Liverpool for a free transfer I'm, I'm not sure if his contract's up or if that would just be negotiated with the club but apparently they're not looking for a fee for him um, everyone knows who he is the Brazilian um, he's come up for, up for some stick over the years for not being quite the midfielder that Liverpool are looking for but yeah. in terms of us I think he would do a job for us oh, I have good. to be honest he's, a good yeah, player. he's, he's, he's very good very tidy kind of job in Europe wouldn't he I mean yeah, he's, yeah. he's a very cynical player when he needs to be he can, yeah. he can pass a ball um, I think I'm it just kind of shows where we're at I think when you've been linked to players like that and it shows the influence perhaps that Brendan Rodgers would have I would be surprised um, if we were able to get him he's um, he's perhaps slightly over the hill but he's uh, he's a good player yeah, I, I think he would be a fantastic player. I think he would get some English Premier League snobs who would say, you know, well, he's rubbish, etc. But um, we'll let them play FIFA. Um, the, the last name was uh, Fabio Barini. Um, I'm not actually sure on this one. Um, I think he's probably got ability, but for me, he's never shown the consistency to, to be able to do a job even for us, I feel like. Obviously, he's been at Sunderland all season and he... And he's kind of struggled there. Um, he's not, yeah, I don't think Sunderland fans are very, very appreciative of him at all. I don't think he's really mm. done much for them. He's never done much at Liverpool. He's never really done much at any club he's been at. I know that he's another name that Brendan Rodgers is familiar with, and maybe that plays a factor. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers knows better than me, but for me, that's one I feel like we should avoid, especially if he commands a transfer fee. I think we can do better than that. Has it got a bit of a CKR ring to it, Paul? <laughs> I don't think it's quite as bad as that um, But I think uh, John's right I think we should be looking in different areas I know that there is the Brendan Rodgers link And all that kind of stuff But we, we should look, be looking in different places the, There's um, talented players out there that, that we can find And the the team that we've got looking uh, Just now seems to know what they're doing So 
um, pass on that one for me. Alphabet time, guys. He's ready. <laughs> yes, always. Yes. It's. Um, I think this is perhaps letter H is uh, certainly in terms terms of strength and depth. Maybe will be the strongest. There is a lot of H's mm. going about in terms of the Celtic grand old alphabet. Um, Paul, what um, what are the obvious ones? There's lots of obvious ones. I mean, we've had letters in the past where you maybe had one big name has come to mind and you've struggled for stuff after that, but H has uh, lots of options. Well, there is, um, depending on how you want to look at it, um, if you want to go players, the first one that probably jumps to my head is, is Big John Hartson. Yeah. Um, obviously, European... Uh, goals, Liverpool. Your choice. No, 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 no. He was just asking me which ones, which ones yeah, jumped yeah, to mind. Yeah. That's not as actually my choice. Um, that that j- jumped to jumped to my head for more recent, probably Gary Hooper. Um, and then if you go back, you've got obviously Harry Hood and, and players like that. Um, and Gil Heron was the was the other one that jumps out. But um, for the first time, I think I, I haven't went for a player, which is interesting. Ooh. We'll come back for your, your answer in a wee minute I was thinking of, of players as well And sitting in the city of Stuttgart As I am right now Andreas Hinkle came oh, to my mind I absolutely yeah. loved Andreas Hinkle I, I enjoyed Thought him too he was, There was something about him wasn't there like In mm-hmm. that, that um, disastrous Tony Mowbray season He was the, the shining light Obviously other than Robbie Keane um, And I always really liked Andreas Hinkle Probably I was thinking for some reason two of maybe my favourite ever Celtic players began with the letter H and Gary Hooper was the other one I think I absolutely love Gary Hooper with the, the goals he scored he was probably the first real I don't know maybe that's harsh on the likes of McDonald and, and Hessling but I think he was the first like real solid goal scorer who would score a barrel load um, that I, I really kind of got to love at Celtic I had Hooper 88 mm-hmm. on the back of my my Celtic shirt that season that he signed I saw his first goal in the, the Emirates Cup at Lyon um, and, and Gary Hooper I've always thought um, I was kind of sad how it petered out and how, how he never quite went for the same money as Forster, Wanyama or Van Dyke. it was what four and a half million something like that maybe slightly more but I always thought Gary Hooper was, was a real top striker and for whatever reason it just hasn't quite worked out in England for him Yeah and there was something about Hooper for me I know a lot of people loved him but he was never a Dembele character for me, um, or someone. I mean, I think I even like Lee Griffiths more than Gary Hooper. Um, really? Mm. Yeah, yeah. There was just always there was something a lot about missing with Gary. I, I don't. I never felt he had hundred percent application. It was like he played at like seventy or eighty percent, and he, as good as he was, you know, I, I, I just didn't feel like he had that same desire that I love seeing out of other Celtic players. But he was a fantastic goal scorer, a fantastic finisher. Um, and he scored a few memorable memorable goals against Rangers as well, so mm. he's got that going for him. Yeah. What are uh, or who came to your mind, John? Uh, well, do you want my pick or do you want me to? No, no. It? Dance around the issue for a wee bit. Dance around the issue. I think for me, when I, sh- I thought about it immediately, the, the first person that came to mind was uh, John Hughes, the the player in the sixties um, who never got to play uh, in the Lisbon final, but was a, a big part of that squad. Um, and also people like John Hartson, like you've said, um, Davy Hay, people like that, uh, Harry Hood. So th- those are the, the players in the main. Paul, what is your, your choice? You're saying it's not a player. You have everyone um, gripped here. Go for it. Um, I, I, I actually, I'll, I'll look back. I think it is the first time that I haven't chosen a player. Um, so I've went for something that originated on my dad's birthday in 1995. Um, and it is, of course, the Celtic Cuddle. Ah, you've stolen um, my one, Paul. Ah, so there we go. There go. It's it's quite good that we're, we're actually along the same lines. Yeah. I think. Um, well, I'll, I'll say my wee piece and I'll let you um, see what you think about it, John, as well, yeah. because just one of the things that um, I can always, I can, it's, it's always been there. Um, yeah. I always, but obviously, started in '95. I was only three or four year old when it started, so it's just something that when Celtic play, you get the the green and white hoops, which is an R H, and then you get the huddle before the game starts, and when you're at the game especially the the build up and you're getting ready for the game and it's it's exciting but then the the players they do the line up they shake hands and the other teams they go away and they, they know high fives or whatever rubbish or they clap their up or the their, their fans and then the celtic guys they link arms and they go into the huddle and the feeling that you get when that happens is is brilliant it's second only to a goal i think for me mm-hmm. when 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 i'm watching celtic and then obviously um it's evolved and it's, you get the big huddle as well when, when we're winning 1-0 or 2-0 at, at Hamden and 
everybody's turns around and the, the game becomes second fiddle to, to everybody just absolutely loving life and, and cuddling a guy that you've never met before but you know you've got that bond of Celtic and it's just brilliant for me mm-hmm. um, it's, it's been around for just over 20 years but it, just, it seems like it's been there for a lifetime It was something that I, I only found out about um, I found out I think in Tony Mowbray's season when he started doing the huddle after the game at Easter Road we won a match and I found out that it was a Tony Mowbray yeah. idea mm-hmm. um, I was I always just thought the huddle had been around since 1888 it was a oh, strange right, one okay. that the yeah. Celtic went to Lisbon in 67 and didn't do the huddle couldn't yeah. get your head around that yeah that is, I mean that's maybe a bit of trivia that a lot of people know but maybe some people don't um, yeah, as Paul says it started in 1995 in a pre-season friendly uh, I think we were on a pre-season tour of Germany and we were playing kickers end in um, it was a match we lost, funnily enough, so it didn't really work out for, for that occasion. But uh, Tony Mowbray was the temporary captain because Paul McStay was injured, and so he initiated this thing before the before the game, and obviously it stuck. And, um, I agree with Paul. The moment that the huddle goes in and the crowd roar is one of the best moments of going to a Celtic match for me. Um, and I love it. And I, it was my, as I say, it was my pick too. Um, because I think it's just so iconic at the club now and we've seen even recently you know that footage of Scott Brown in the huddle at Ibrox how much it actually impacts on our performance I, I feel like and it's a fantastic thing a fantastic thing and um, I mean the, the the way Tony Mowbray puts it um, this is how he explains coming up with it he goes I, I don't like to put a patent on it but I take a great sense of pride in it it was nothing to do with my wife um, as has been wrongly reported, it was actually reported that um, because Tony Mowbray's wife was ill at the time, that the players did this huddle as a as a sign um, or a show of, of respect to Tony Mowbray, but that, that's not true. Uh, he went on to say, it came out of adversity. The Celtic players needed to show real unity and togetherness. We needed to show the supporters we cared. And obviously that was in the middle of the time when Celtic went going through much success. It was the, the second match after we'd won the Scottish Cup, which was our first trophy for six years. And uh, as I say, it's stuck ever since. It's a pre-match ritual, and it's something that if we stopped doing it, could you imagine? It would be silly, wouldn't it? Um, so it's become part of the part of the club for me, uh, and would deserve its place in alphabet. Do you remember the stage of last season? Um, and it's like a bad dream now, where we started doing the huddle half time before the second half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How strange yeah. is that looking back? Yeah, that is a bit strange, isn't it? I'm not sure if I like that. Um, no. But yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because um, it's not as I mean, you're right. The, the, Tony Mobile was was the first, I think, to institute it on 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 the pitch. But it's actually been done at Celtic. There was people in the forties who did it. Apparently, a guy called John Hogan used to initiate a huddle in the changing rooms among the players to get them motivated before matches. So mm. the huddle goes back beyond uh, Tony Mowbray but certainly, as we know it, it is definitely Tony Mowbray's. Yeah, the huddle may well have a fight in its hand this week though because I'm going for, for something else that is uh, fairly iconic um, when you think of Celtic. It's we mentioned already, it's the hoops. It's the green and white hoops. It's, for me, one, or, and I know I'm biased, but for me it's one of the most iconic shirts in the world. It's up there with AC Milan's red and black, Inter Milan's black and blue and Real Madrid's white it is right up there if anyone sees that shirt they know straight away it is iconic for me and I don't like bringing Rangers into it but it is the difference it's anyone could wear blue our (laughs) shirts are are so iconic Um, they're known everywhere in the world I I wear my hoops um, anywhere and I'll be noticed Um, I've I've had them on in Germany here and, and been picked out and said oh you're a Celtic fan they're recognisable anywhere it's a shirt that's sold anywhere um, for me it is, it's up there with the huddle for me it's even more powerful than the huddle it's the colours of our club you see the the, out, uh, the, the outrage sorry the, the love for the new shirt that was designed it is absolutely beautiful there is no finer sight in football than seeing those green and white hoops the two colours that go better than any other colour I can imagine um, and Celtic as we know we haven't always um, worn the hoops as we saw with our one two five um kit it was we've had different kits in the past but the hoops will always now be the Celtic shirt it's sacred we will pretty much always wear the hoops at home um, and, and for me it is it's just 
when I think of Celtic, it is the first thing that comes into my head, mm-hmm. the hoops. There is no finer sight than seeing Celtic wearing that home shirt. Um, yeah, for me, when, I, when, I, when H came to my head straight away, I thought of the green and white hoops, yeah. if you're allowing me for that for letter H. Yeah, of course, I think that it uh, certainly counts. It, it brings me on to a good question, actually. Apart from Celtic's hoops, what's your favourite you know, colour scheme or, or kit of another team in, mm. in the whole world of football? I've always liked red, white and blue. <laughs> um, I've always, I've always know. liked the the black and white in Newcastle. I think that stands out. I think that's mm. pretty cool. But you know what I mean? Like when you say black, black and white in Newcastle, I'm immediately thinking of Juventus as well. Yeah. Mm. I, I know there are clubs. I know Real Betis. I think they're actually stripes. But I know Yeovil Town and Shamrock Rovers, and I'm sure there's other ones. Sporting but Celtic are the only real big one. I mean, you look at the the colour red, and you, you immediately. I mean, who who you're looking at? You're looking at Man United, Liverpool, a number of teams. But the something Bayern Munich. There's something about the green and white hoops that yeah. is only Celtic, um, and it's fantastic. In answer to your question, as much as I don't like them as a club, I think the white of Real Madrid is. It's yeah, nice. It's really simple, and they always own that colour, don't they? Yeah. But um, it's a hell of a ding dong battle we've got in our hand. I think we need to let this one just go for the the vote because um, oh, hoops definitely. against huddle is this going to that's going to split people? Yeah, the, the hoops are unique. I think that's a big part of it. I think yeah, definitely. I think. I mean, I would be tempted to change my pick to the hoops as well, but um, I think I need to go with the huddle now. People are going to be falling out at home. Families aren't <laughs> going to recover from this debate. We'll read out some of the ones um, from from home as well. Um, Chris and, and John Fagan agree with me. They say the hoops, Big Baz 74, uh, going with Hunscalping. Should probably <laughs> yeah. give that a wee mention. That's always yeah, fun. Hey, uh, Paul, sorry. Yeah, I know that, 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 that was one that I seen it earlier on on Twitter and I, I had a wee chuckle to myself when work. I thought uh, that's a wee bit out there. I would, it's not one that would have came to my head straight away, but um, worldly of a place in, a, in, in any alphabet of Celtic, it's, it's always an <laughs> activity that we enjoy. Who's, who's mm. your favourite of that particular activity? Hmm. Mm. Henrik Larsson? Maybe. Re- recently, it's. I don't, I'm trying to think. Maybe Griffiths. The Scott, maybe, Scott, maybe Scott Brown. I think uh, Alan Thompson was always a good one, wasn't he? Uh, Chris Sutton mm. is probably. Um, yeah. I would actually go with Chris, Chris Sutton for me, I think. What, what is the definition of hunscalping? It's basically embarrassing in them and scoring against them consistently. Right, so scoring. Scoring and performing well against them consistently, right. or doing something like Yuzo Saminovic against Ken Miller. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, we've, we've said that the debate is going to be the hoops or the huddle. Giant Frying Pan on Twitter, great name, <laughs> has gone for a bit of both. He's gone for Hoopy the Huddle Hound, the oh, mascot yeah. of our club. Are you into your mascots, Paul? Uh, not particularly. Um, <laughs> it's one of the ones that's for the, they're for the kids. It's uh, fair enough for the, for them. Um, the only other good thing I think mascots are good for is the, the mascot race that you sometimes see <laughs> <laughs> when the, the, guy, the guys inside these suits are falling over and, and can't quite uh, stand up. But um, I hope the Huddle Hound, iconic iconic dog, maybe one of the most famous dogs in Scotland. There. I, I prefer the old Hoopy the Huddle Hound. They changed them a few years ago, um, much to my dismay. The old one was much better. Do you remember what, what, was, what was better about him? It was just had a different style. He just didn't look as kind of cartoonish and friendly. He was more of a hound uh, rather than a hoopy, <laughs> I would say. Fantastic. Anyone who wants to know my opinions on mascots just needs to look at my current Twitter header photo. I absolutely love them. Um, Thomas <laughs> McMullen is... What's your uh, favourite one, sorry, before you move on, Hamish? What's your favourite? My favourite mascot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've been having a good laugh about, about mascots lately because they're absolutely everywhere in Germany they're much more prominent right. um, the Stuttgart mascot was doing post-match interviews after their recent <laughs> victory um, over Auer and, uh, what, what is their mascot? Everywhere. Uh, it's uh, I don't even know now it's a um, I, don't, I don't know look in my Twitter thing it's a green thing I don't know I'm not good with animals I think it's a I'm gonna look I don't even it. want to see a frog or something like that a turtle a or something like that I'm, I'm waiting look right know. now just to, just to make sure I, I can't let this go I need to know I'm gonna d- decide what animal it is that's terrible I can't even remember it's a what is that it's only half the fault it's only half his thing it's a, it's a mystery hey. it's still a mystery I need to google <laughs> stick that mascot now right, go for it I think his name might be Ernie this is a riveting podcasting. <laughs> I think he's a crocodile, is it not? A crocodile. I don't know. 
yeah, that's a crocodile. I'm saying that's yeah. a crocodile. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a good one. It's better than our one, I would say. I, I like the Arsenal one. Um, the one who did the minute silence with his, ha- his head back. <laughs> <laughs> there's, the- a, there's actually a page... Um, on on Twitter that, that has all these photos of uh, mascots during minutes of silence and it's just it's absolutely incredible and um, they're just they're funny looking things. He's called um, Fritzel. He's called Fritz. There you go. That's really? A, yeah, it's our mascot. Stuttgart mascot. Oh, probably. There's your link. There is your link. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, that was from Giant Frying Pan. He was saying Hoopy the Huddle Hound. Um, we had other ones in. We had uh, Thomas McMullen touching on Hamden Puff. Mm. Paul, thoughts on that? Um, I, I I can understand why it would be uh, used, but I don't know. Recently, there's not been that many happy memories at Hamden Park. I, I get the the whole link and it's there, and it's where the Scottish Cup finals played and all that kind of stuff. So maybe there is an argument for it. I just think that there's other ones just in a level above. And uh, Sonny Pony saying Harry Hood, a name you mentioned as well. Describe Harry Hood to someone like me who doesn't know him very well. Um, a player who scored a barrel load of goals for us in the early 70s I think he scored a couple of cup winning final goals and he was the player before Moussa Dembele to score a hat-trick against oh, Rangers the player we wrongly got the stat about on Twitter yeah is that right is I that remember right? that I think I think we got it wrong yeah but fantastic that was Harry Hood so that was lots of ones as well from Nathan as well he was saying the huddle agreement with you two and a final mention for the wonderful HMRC yeah yeah um, there's also Gil Heron as well. I don't know if you know the story behind this one, Hamish. Um, he basically the first, or yeah, the first recorded black player to play for us. There's mm-hmm. arguments to say that black players played for us in friendlies in decades before that, but he's certainly the first black player who is recognised to have played for us. And he's also the father of a legendary magi- musician called uh, Gil Scott Heron, who wrote uh, the song "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised." I don't know if you've heard that one, but. Um, Famous for, for both aspects there and um, a little bit, a, a nice little footnote in our history um, to have the mm-hmm. father of a legendary musician and also be our first black player. So there's that. Yeah, fantastic. Right, are we going with a, an audience, or not yeah. an audience, but a, a one from home to, to rival the hoops and the huddle? Well, there's one here that the audience suggested that I think should probably win the audience suggestion and go into the poll, and that is John Yogi Hughes. Um, the Lisbon Lion it never was because of injury um, he scored a lot of goals for Jock Steen's team and I think he scored something like 20, 20 to 25 goals a season before the Lisbon season the, the season that got us qualified for the European Cup um, he scored some goals that season too but he got injured in May before the final and couldn't play um, but he still travelled to Lisbon with the squad but obviously couldn't play and, and was gutted ever since he, I think he played in five or six of, of the, the, the ties in Europe that season so I think he mm. actually got a winner's medal because he played enough minutes so um, an honorary Lisbon Lion um, I would say and perhaps worthy of going into the poll you you might know or might not know as well but he also scored in the European Cup semi-final against Leeds um, to get us mm. to the 1970 final and he played in that 1970 final but yeah, I think he missed a sitter, um, so he's got that going against him. Um, I think he would, I think he would acknowledge it was a sitter as well. He missed a, a clear chance that probably, perhaps, could have turned that that game around. So, mm. yeah, I think for me, John Yogi Hughes should go into the poll. Yeah, he's up against tough opposition this yeah. week, though. He'll go up against the hoops and the famous what? I huddle. mean, do, do there any other suggestions there that you think they could go into the poll? I, I, I think personally for the the goals and the, the European stuff that he did uh, Big John Hartson it has to be in me a shout mm. just in terms of point. recent players who really stand out I know Gary Hooper scored a lot of goals but John Hartson needed to just think of the, that goal against Liverpool and, and the celebration and how good that was and the just the fact how how, how much he, he brought to the club when, when he came I thought you know, maybe he, he was probably my second choice in terms of before, just after the huddle also David Hay as well who was a legendary figure and many Celtic fans will tell you that he was one of the greatest uh, players that they've ever seen in the hoops um, obviously was with us for a good few years before moving to Chelsea um, another another legendary player of Jockstein's era so he's got a shout as well Are you a fan of the saying Hail Hail? <laughs> yes, yes Oh I don't know. I mean, I, I, I end every podcast with it here, but I, I don't know if it's if it does it mean a hell of a lot, Paul. 
that, that that's a brilliant that's a brilliant point, and I actually I've, that completely went over my head. It slipped my mind. I didn't think of that at all, and I don't know if anybody suggested it on Twitter either. Um, it, it's it's Hale's good one. It's it's a really good one. It's it's one of the ones that you say you end the show with. Like it's a a thing that Celtic fans say to each other. It's it's pretty much. It's always there, and it's 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 something that we we sing with pride. So that's it's a decent shout. I, I I like that one. I like that one a lot, actually. And um, when I was growing up, that's always how my dad and my uncles would say hello and goodbye to each other. Would be hail hail, no matter what the setting. It wouldn't be a Celtic match. It would just be going away from the house or something. They just go, "He see you later, hail hail," and that would be it. <laughs> We've got a decision on our, our hands in the huddle, <laughs> the hoops. Um, so they're going on John Hughes they've, they've been nominated so we've got we've got to find two more here from the list that the audience has suggested um, to go into the poll because I, 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 I like your kind of your one about John Hughes the fact that he was uh, an unknown um, figure and I, I didn't know much about him so I, I like the fact that there, there's one there that's kind of as I say unknown I quite like that a dark horse if you will <laughs> in the poll um, and I don't know guys it's up to you for the, for the final place we've got probably Davy Hay or John Hartson or Hoopy the Huddle Hound or Hail Hail or whatever Unscalping I think Probably John Hartson, isn't it? Probably. I mean, I obviously I've I've never seen Davy Hay play, so it's, as a podcast, it's hard to nominate him. Um, mm. I think that the, the kind of stories around John Hughes kind of make sense for him to go into it. Um, so we, we could go for obviously the hoops, um, the huddle, uh, John Yogi Hughes, and John Hartson. I'm fine with that. I'm on board with that. Yeah. And obviously, the audience decide the final the final entrant. the The official entrant is number, sorry, is the letter H in our grand old alphabet. So mm. it's up to you guys. Q poll voting on every one of his twelve <laughs> Twitter accounts for um, for the huddle. Um, good man. Yeah. Right. So uh, we've taken so long to do this podcast that we're actually nearer the next game um, than our previous one. So we've got uh, the Glasgow derby uh, and the return probably of Scott Brown. Um, against Partick Thistle yeah. um, this this is a Thursday night game for some strange reason and it's uh, a wait for Hill and it could be a bit of a tricky one John it could be a tricky one um, Partick Thistle have had a very good season their best season in over 30 years so if they're ever going to beat us <laughs> um, now is the time um, I'm not sure I think we'll probably see a fair bit of rotation in the team I would expect I would expect us to put out a well, close to our strongest team against Hearts for the final day. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure what kind of team we'll actually see. And um, I think maybe James Forrest will get a game. I'd quite like to see him get a game. I think maybe yeah. Christian Gamboa might get a game. I think Eric Sviachenko might get a game. It might be a team like that. So I'd be quite into that. I'd li- also potentially like to see you know the likes of Liam Henderson perhaps check on in on him, see how he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Brendan Rogers actually mentioned him in his post match on BT last week. Um, as someone in the squad who isn't getting games that he really rates highly so I wouldn't actually be too surprised to see the likes of Henderson get a start Yeah, I've, I've said before that I think we would kick ourselves if we threw this unbeaten season away um, mm. with two games to go back with a, a, a silly result um, a part of this. so I would like to see a fairly strong team I think mm-hmm. we're good enough certainly not to lose the game um, if we put out a, a slightly weakened team I think we've got enough good players there I think the last team we were at for how we for some reason I have it in the back of my mind it was maybe after or before the Man City game and we rested uh, a hell of a lot of players and I think we ran out 4-1 winners so it's, it's clearly their part of this have improved no doubt since then but their season is kind of coming to an end really as well they're going to finish in 6th probably yeah. and um, yeah I could see us winning this comfortably and um, one thing I would say is that we're going to miss Celtic when they're away after the Scottish Cup final yeah. so I would enjoy every single moment of these uh, final three games of the season um, thoughts will then turn of course to the, the big day on Sunday Paul it's trophy day it's the one we've been looking forward to in the league and um, it's, it's hearts at home the game as usual on these days is secondary but we know what trophy days are like we know what it was like last year and the year before we usually um, turn on the style in these days yes we do and, and we seem to have kind of turned on the style on hearts every time we've met them this season um, <laughs> it's 11 goals in three games it's, it's, been, it's been pretty good we were at that 4-0 game and it was it was pretty pretty easy to, despite the fact that we never had a striker the 5-0 game to win the league and um, we started off the league season against them 
um, and with a two-one-one, so we're going to beat them again and, and finish off the season with some symmetry. <laughs> Had to get it in there. Yeah, <laughs> we're going. We're going for that game. Um, yeah. Paul are going to get that. Oh, game. fantastic! You enjoy a home game against Hearts. I see the yeah, two, the last the two one, big it? days against Hearts. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Give us predictions in a double whammy, John, of, of Partick Thistle away and Hearts at home. I think it'll be two-nil against Partick Thistle, and I think it'll be five-one against Hearts. Paul. Uh, a couple of five nils to finish off the season. <laughs> Fantastic! Yeah, I'll I'd go. Like to, yeah, I'd like to just note that I predicted the scoreline against Aberdeen last week, three-one. I, I was licking my lips with a four-one, thinking surely there is another goal for us in this game later on. Sinclair curls one just over the bar, mm. um, but it wasn't to be. Um, I'll go. I'll go two-one at Firhill on Thursday, and I will go. I'll go five-nil. Um, mm. I think we usually. I think the last time we played Hearts and Trophy Day was the day Gary Hooper scored all five. So I think there's a nice um, nice kind of feeling there as well. Hearts, we all know about Hearts at the moment. They are really struggling. Their, mm-hmm. Their fans are um, not too happy with the way things are going um, at the end of this season. Um, and I fancy us uh, to score a few um, on Sunday on Trophy Day. Um, yeah, by the time we next to a podcast, we could have actually gone through a whole league oh, campaign wow. unbeaten. Um Wow. It's cra- crazy that that's potentially about to happen, and it's, we're barely even batting an eyelid at it. Um, to go a whole league season unbeaten is extraordinary, especially in an era where we play thirty games a season. Um, imagine that's just wow! Imagine we did it. Um, I think that would feel really good on Monday if we did. There's part of me that still thinks we won't do it. That's why I'm not getting too excited about it. But if we actually manage to do that on on Sunday, then that is. Outstanding. There's a nice feeling about Sunday as well. You're getting the trophy, mm-hmm. but also that I think there is a, a kind of meaningful game there because it is going for the unbeaten season. Imagine if Hearts go one 0 up on Sunday, the atmosphere will be absolutely incredible. Getting behind the team yeah. to make sure we don't lose uh, yeah. if all goes well on Thursday night. It's going to be fantastic, and I'm very jealous um, of you two going to that on Sunday. So enjoy yourself um, yeah. at that. Um, We'll say to you again, and um, if you've got any ideas for future podcasts, like Nicola, thanks very much to her sent in today. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us at podcast at agrandallteam.com. Of course, as usual, you can like or leave comments um, at the Facebook page. It is facebook.com slash fritzagrandold, and the same on Twitter. Thanks very much um, to any new people and existing people getting in touch um, this week. Uh, it's been fantastic, real good interaction on, on the page and um, everything I think is going really well, thank you as always for listening to this free podcast um, and enjoying it, thank you Paul for joining me Thank you, it's been a pleasure, I've, I've actually really enjoyed uh, talking how how great it is and how exciting it is watching Celtic week in week out Have you been bored today John? Um, a wee bit with your partner yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll move on I've taken things up a scale uh, today (laughs) but hopefully I'll be back down to earth next week um, looking ahead to our biggest game of the season we will be back then hopefully after as I say the club um, or the team have completed a domestic league campaign anyway unbeaten we'll be looking forward to the big one next week against Aberdeen until then take care enjoy the two games and hail hail